Hey everyone, my name is Josh Scroggins, a pastor of New Beginnings Family. Just wanted to say thank you for joining our podcast and welcome. We hope the following message will be encouraging, will inspire you to grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you'd like to know more about us or would like to support our ministry financially, you can visit our website at www.nbfamily.net. And as always, for all you do to support us, thank you. God bless you and enjoy the message. Hey, welcome to part two of Forged in Fire, the series we're talking about pain and suffering and trying to give a good perspective of what it is, how God uses it to bring good things out of us and out of those situations in order to bless his people. Romans chapter five, verses one to five says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have obtained our introduction by faith into his grace in which we stand. We celebrate in hope of the glory of God, and not only this, but we celebrate in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And then our theme verse for this series is Romans 8.28 that says, We know God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Welcome to Number two, uh, Forged in Fire. In the last podcast, we looked at the story of Job, but this week we're going to look at the author of the passage we just read, who said we should celebrate in our tribulations. Now, last week we looked at the kind of suffering where everything happens all at once, and maybe you've had weeks like that where it just seems like everything that could go wrong is going wrong. Well, that is... uh, that was that was the story of Job. Today we're going to look at something just a little bit different. Last week was when suffering happens all at once and how God can get you through it and use it to create hope inside of you. But today I want to look at a more specific kind of hurt. What about when you have a specific kind of hurt that affects everything else in your life? There's a story of a man who went to the doctor and said, hey, doc, I am in pain. I need you to fix me up. The doctor says, tell me where it hurts. And the man said, everywhere. Reached out. He touches his arm, takes his finger, points, just touches his arms. Ow! (laughs) Then he touched his leg. Says, ow! And then he finally touched his head and said, ow! See, everywhere hurts. The doctor said, okay, that's interesting. Um... I want to try something. I think I might know what's going on, but I need to test my theory. Can you touch my hand for me? So the man reached over, stuck out his finger, touched the doctor's hand, and then yelled, Ow! The doctor said, just as I thought, you have a broken finger. (laughs) There is uh, something about pain. When it hits us, it doesn't just affect one area. It just radiates and affects everything else. When I have a bad headache, 
it does not just affect my head. My whole body is affected. My energy is drained. I can't rest to recover. My concentration is affected. My hearing's affected. My vision can be affected. And if you've got a really bad headache, it does. It affects your vision, right? Migraines can give you uh, like a double vision. Um, balance can be affected. And sometimes a person can have a headache so bad, it affects their stomach and they feel like they're sick. And this principle of pain translates to other kinds of pain as well. Pain might only hit one area of our lives, but it can affect many other areas and cause many other problems. For instance, there is kind of a classic uh, story about, you know, a, a husband goes to work, has a fight with his boss at work, and he's really angry, and he comes home, and, and it, it kind of trickles over into a fight with his wife and he's yelling at his wife and she's angry and then it kind of bleeds over and she just balls out the child you know the kid and the kid goes and kicks the dog you know it's kind of this this thing where where uh for instance you have the, the pain of a loved one um can cause you to lose joy that you once had for doing something you enjoyed right maybe maybe there's a hobby that you really enjoy doing and all of a sudden you lose a loved one and you don't enjoy the hobby anymore even though they don't have anything to do with each other. Pain in one area bleeds over to other areas. Um, the hurt that comes from a broken marriage might translate to a loss of passion for God. Pain in one area can bleed over into many areas. And pain in one area tends not to stay in that area. But if we are willing to trust God through the pain, God can work tremendous good through it. Today, I'm going to look at um, Paul as we get into this, this podcast today, this, this, um, this lesson, this teaching, whatever you want to call it. We're going to look at Paul. And the fact is, Paul was put through all kinds of pain. He suffered a lot in his time as an apostle. He was beaten. He had, he had stones thrown at him to kill stone, right? He was whipped. He was imprisoned. He was shipwrecked. He spent time floating out in the open sea. Paul knew what suffering was all about, but there's one passage about his pain that really has stood out over the many years since he wrote it. And this passage, by the way, just flies in the face of some people's theology. But let's go ahead and read it. It's found in uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. It says, because of the extraordinary greatness of the revelations. Now, he had just told them that he got to see heaven. Basically, God just showed him a lot of stuff. And he was telling them about how great this was and all the stuff that he saw. But what he said is, because of the greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I delight in weakness in insults, in distress, in persecutions, in difficulties, in behalf of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 
Paul begins the chapter by telling the Corinthian church just how he had this great vision, but he says right after that that he was given something to keep him humble. And this thing, whatever it is, is something he calls the thorn in the flesh. And it was this thorn in the flesh that kept him humble, that kept pain in his life at all times. And this was something that it caused pain. Right? It was with him constantly. He asked God to get rid of it. God wouldn't do it. He asked God again. God wouldn't do it. He asked God again. And God wouldn't do it. Three times. Now the question is, what is this thorn in the flesh? And some would suggest that because the description says it's a messenger of Satan, that it was referring to a demon that was constantly hassling Paul and causing problems for him. Others suggest that it wasn't a demon, but rather it was a person who went around bad-mouthing Paul to the church in Corinth. I think we would all agree that people can certainly act as messengers of Satan at some times. Another theory is that the thorn was another description of his persecution. In fact, the Bible does use the word thorn elsewhere in the, in the Bible to describe persecution. So there's, there's a, a, a good theory there. Uh, one more theory is that Paul's thorn was a physical problem. One suggestion is that Paul caught malaria on his travels and suffered tremendous headaches. And another suggestion is that Paul had some kind of an oriental eye disease that caused him pain and hindered his vision. Now, the simple fact is that Paul did not say what his thorn was for sure. Or did he? Maybe he did, but it has been up for debate and discussion since he wrote those, those words. We don't know exactly what it was, but I want to give you a theory, maybe, and that was this, and I hadn't thought about it until I really began to do this study, but we saw last week that uh, Satan was able, when he was tormenting Job, right, he was able to move bands of raiders to come in and steal Job's livestock and kill his servants. We also saw that Satan was able to strike Job's body with physical affliction as well. In Job's case, it was boils. So what if the answer is all of these things? Maybe the answer is as simple as the thorn being a demon sent to harm Paul by Satan that was allowed by God. And maybe the persecution and the physical problems he dealt with were the results of that demon working through people and striking Paul's body with problems. Maybe that's the case. But regardless of what the thorn is, we do know this. We know that it caused Paul pain, and we know that Paul begged for it to be removed three different times. We also know that God never removed it. Now that is important to know because there are people that will preach in this in this world that if you are a Christian, you will not have pain. And if you're going through suffering, you just you just ask God and he will deliver you every time. But according to Paul, he prayed three different times. Now Paul is kind of like super Christian, right? I mean, this guy wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. If anybody should pray and see things answered, you'd think it would be him. But then I thought about this, and I thought, you know, man, even, even Jesus in the garden, 
ask God to let a cup pass over him so he wouldn't suffer and and still had to suffer. I thought, man, if Jesus himself had to suffer, who are we to think that we won't? Who are we to think, well, you know, Jesus could suffer, but I, I, it's, I'm too good to, to have that happen to me. I mean, how many people have lost faith in God because they were told that if they had enough faith, if they prayed hard enough, or if they fasted long enough, that God would always give them what they want? How many people have walked away from God because they prayed for healing and it never came? How many people have walked away from the faith because they asked God to keep someone alive and that person died? The reason they think that is because we, as a church, are always pushing that message because it sounds better to our ears. And oftentimes we are cowards who tell people what they want to hear more than what is true. Paul said, I had a thorn in the flesh. I had something constantly giving me grief, giving me pain, causing me problems. I asked God three times to take it away, but God refused. One thing we know for sure is that Paul suffered greatly from some kind of eye problem. Now, whether or not this is the thorn he spoke of is up for debate. Maybe it's not his thorn, but Paul certainly had problems with his eyes for whatever reason. God never appears to have healed him of that issue. Paul had problems with his eyes. And, and as we look at this, we're going to find that God worked through it and used it for good. Here's what I want to do to, uh, today. I want to, I want to look at how God worked good through this issue. But before we do that, I want to give you a few passages just so we can get a better understanding of Paul's situation. So we can better understand where he was coming from, what he was dealing with, and how God worked through it. Galatians chapter 4, verses 12 to 15. Here's, here's what Paul says. I beg of you, brothers and sisters, become as I am. For I also have become as you are. You have done me no wrong. But you know that it was because of bodily illness that I preached the gospel to you for the first time. That, by the way, that, that verse is why some people believe that, uh, that his thorn in the flesh might have been malaria. Um, because he came through an area to get to Galatia that would have been uh, low in elevation. There was a lot of swamps, a lot of mosquitoes in there. Um, Galatia would have been up higher in an elevation. And it would have been a common place uh, for people who did get malaria uh, to go and rest and recover. And so that's, that's one of the reasons why people think that malaria might have been the issue. Whatever the case is, um, he was sick. He had some kind of a bodily illness. And he said, it was for that reason that I preached the gospel to you for the first time. And you did not despise that which was a trial to you in my bodily condition, nor express contempt. But you received me as an angel of God. Now, real quick, the word angel here means messenger, right? So you received me as a messenger of God, as Christ, as Jesus Christ himself. Where then is that sense of blessing you had? For I testify about you that if possible, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. 
That's a weird thing to say. Right? You would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Now, you could just say, well, he was he was trying to refer to their um, he was trying to refer to how much they loved him. But really, the the saying back then, if you were going to do that, would just say you would cut off your hand and give it to me, which is still a weird thing to say by today's standards. But that would have been the saying, not torn out your eyes. Why why would he have mentioned that? Well, it's because his eyes were in horrible shape. In fact, according to John Corson, a second century uh, document says that Paul's eyes were not only bad, but they were constantly running, which means that they were infected and oozing. Now, that's a bad condition. And this problem affected his ministry quite a bit. We can see it actually play out a few more times. One of them, and this is this is my favorite story. It's it's a it's a very funny story. It's in Acts chapter three, verses one to five. It says, "Now looking intently at the council, Paul said, brothers, I have lived my life with an entirely good conscience before God up until this day, but the high priest Ananias commanded those standing beside him to strike him on the mouth." Now, Paul is just talking to them, and he says, I've lived my life with a good conscience before God. And Ananias just was not having any of it. He commands someone to strike Paul in the mouth, right? So Paul says to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. (laughs) And you feel like I need to explain that for a second. It was very common in those days uh, for people to go and urinate uh, in public against walls and what would happen is they would use lime powder to clean the walls. They would just toss lime up there to try to disinfect. It would make those walls become whitewashed. So what, what Paul says here is he, he basically calls the high priest a pee wall. <laughs> um, God is going to strike you, you pee wall. Do not... Do you sit or try uh, sit to try me according to the law, but in violation of the law, order me struck? Are you insult? And then all of a sudden, those present said, "Are you insulting God's high priest?" And Paul said, "Oh no, no, no! I, I wasn't aware that he's the high priest. It's written, you shall not speak evil the ruler of your people.'" So Paul thinks he is just cursing some random member of the council. He thought he's just random member of the council. He's calling them a pee wall. <laughs> He's calling them some wall that gets urinated. He didn't realize he was actually talking to the high priest. That's how bad his eyes were. As soon as someone tells him who it is, he repents, saying he wasn't aware who it was he just cursed. Here's the last uh, the last little thing about his eyes that I think is, is kind of the most telling and, and the most um, uh, pertinent to the subject today. Paul almost always had to dictate his letters, right? So if he was writing letters to the church, which most of the New Testament that we have is made up of letters that Paul wrote to the churches, instructing them, teaching them, giving them doctrine and and uh, be some etiquette for the church and teaching them how church should function. And there's just, there's a lot of really practical things in these letters. The thing is, Paul did not write those letters himself for the most part. And this was not because he didn't know how to write. Paul was actually very educated. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. He was he was well-schooled. Um, the problem is that, that Paul couldn't see well enough to write. However, Galatians that we read from earlier, Galatians is a little different. Paul wrote this one by hand, and we know that 
because Paul feels the need in the middle of the book, right? It, it, over Galatians chapter 6, verse 11, he actually feels the need to kind of uh, explain why this letter looks so different. And he tells them the reason that the letters are so large, in other words, this print, the, the individual characters, right? That's what that means. It's not talking about the letter he's writing them, because by Paul's standards, Galatians is not a long letter. But he says, these letters are so large because I had to write this myself. Why would the letters need to be large? So he could see them. So why did God allow Paul to continue to suffer from these eye problems? This seemingly made his job much harder. Now, you could say maybe he got the eye problems from all of the beatings that he took and everything. Maybe that's the case. But whatever the case is, he couldn't see well. Why wouldn't God heal his eyes? I'm going to give you three reasons why. Number one, it kept Paul humble. It kept him humble. I mean, Paul couldn't write well because of his poor eyes. This is a member of the Sanhedrin. This is a guy who was, was as high up as you could get, man. This was, this was like a, a senator, a congressman. I mean, this was, this was like somebody that, that had a lot of, a lot of prestige about him. And now he can't even write his own letters without, without them having huge letters. He would have looked pitiful. I mean, think about walking into a church, telling him about how great God is and having your eyes oozing. He would have looked pitiful, which means that would have been humiliating. And on top of that, he would have to be led around from place to place like a child because he couldn't see where he was going. Here's, here's the other thing. It, it would have made him rely on others. So because of Paul's poor eyesight, he actually needed to bring others along to help him. Well, what happens is, is because of this eye problem, it would have forced Paul to mentor others. And because of this eyesight, he brought people along to help him. And as a result of this, it, it, it there were there were people discipled and mentored. There was a lot of young ministers. I mean, Barnabas was one, Mark, Silas, Sopater, Aristarchus, Secondus, Gallius, Timothy, Tychus, and 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 Trophimus. <clears throat> Paul was forced to empower others and rely on them. And because he was doing it, it actually furthered the church. It furthered his ministry. There was a lot of pastors that were developed and trained and a lot of disciplers and a lot of uh, uh, the efficiencies of, of how the church grew and spread. A lot of it was due to the fact that Paul had to take these guys around to help him. He may have been tempted to do this solo if it was not for this problem, this eye problem. And here's the third thing, and, it, and this, is, this is extremely important too, is it highlighted God's strength. I mean, everywhere he went, it would have been this reminder to people, if God can use this broken down man to build his kingdom, God must be powerful. If God can do everything he's doing, if he can grow his church the way he's doing and use people like this, man, how much, how much more do I know God can use me? Seeing Paul in this state would have given them faith. I mean, if Paul could keep the faith after enduring everything he did, that's amazing. Here's the thing. Paul's, 
problems never got fixed while he was on earth. He had problems that never got fixed. And that's why I say it kind of flies in the face of some theology. But the fact is that Paul had a thorn in the flesh, whatever it was. And clearly he had health problems, which could have to do with his persecution. He endured hardships that most of us will never have to. And yet it was Paul who said, Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have obtained introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. Paul, who endured everything, said, and we celebrate in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, Paul said, we also celebrate in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope, and hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. It was Paul who said in Romans 8.28, We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I want to just share with you for a moment a struggle that I had in my faith that was very similar to this. And I hope that as I share this story with you, that it will, it will speak to your heart and be of encouragement. One of the things that I, I had at a, at a young age was I had a bad back. I have what is called complex scoliosis. It is a double curve in my spine. And over the years, it has caused a great deal of pain. I have to be very careful with how I move. Um, and uh, there's a lot of stuff I can do. I was, I was able to be pretty active, but I couldn't do a lot of bending over. Anything that would require me to be hunched over or bent at the waist for an extended period of time would cause me a lot of problems. Um, for instance, just, just to give you one example, I, I would go with the church um, outside to mow the lawn. And after about 10 minutes, I would be on the floor in my living room for a good hour just laying on the floor trying to recover. And that was after about 10 minutes. If I was lucky, I could get 10 minutes. And I was just in a lot of pain. Well, my whole life I was like that. That wasn't just something that I was old when I was older. I mean, it was something I, I found out about when we were young, when I was young. Um, and it gave me problems my whole life. And it was a struggle of faith. I, I prayed and prayed for God to heal me. I asked God to take the pain away from me. I asked God to heal my back. And and it was a source of frustration, and it was a source of, of real uh, problems for me in my faith, because I kept hearing that, you know, if you have enough faith, if you pray hard enough, if you believe that God will heal you, and if you're not getting healed, you must not believe it. But I did. I prayed, and I believed that God would heal me. And then later, I would end up in all kinds of pain again. I even got to a point where I, I, I got to where I would just deny, I would just, oh no, it's not really hurting. It's just in my mind and I'm, I'm just, this is not real pain until the point where I, I almost injured myself, where I was in so much pain, I couldn't deny it anymore. And, and that was an issue for many, many years. It was, it was hard. It was difficult. It was, it was painful. It was, it was a struggle. Because I had to keep preaching in faith 
when I told people that God will answer their prayers. I had to pray for healing for people and trust that God could heal them and wanted to heal them all while having a back that had pain and problems and was not being healed. Matter of fact, I saw God do miracles through prayer as I prayed for people. But my back was not healed. What's interesting is this. Um, when I was uh, when I was in high school, I took the ASVAP, the uh, Armed Services Vocational Aptitude Battery. It is a test that uh, is given to um, to people wanting to join the military. I scored very high on the test. I was told that whatever job I wanted, I could I could have um, <clears throat> until they examined me and found out that my back was not good. And I was told by the recruiter, there's no point in going any further because you will not be admitted. Um, he said, I've known people who have gone into basic training with good backs and walked out with bad backs and you will not make it through basic training. There's no point. Uh, they will not accept you. And I was kind of crushed because I was, I was, that was tough. I was, I was devastated. I thought this is my plan. Uh, I wanted to serve my country. I, I, I wanted, uh, I wanted to go military. I thought it would be a great start. They'd pay for college, all of this stuff. And I had all of these plans and that was my plan. And it, uh, it was so disappointing. Well, what happened is because I was not able to go to basic training, I, uh, and, and join the military, I remained with my father at our church in Roseburg. And uh, while we had a revival one time, Nancy Harmon, uh, an old gospel singer from uh, from back, and she, she came by and did a revival for us, a powerful woman of God. And um, while she was there, God really moved. She came back again and, and God moved again. And this time God had, had told her that I needed to go through a student training program that she was putting on called Mighty Warriors. Uh, problem is the program was, uh, I think, I think it was $1,600. And it was, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money period. But for a high school student, might, you know, just got out of high school, might as well have been a million dollars. It wasn't going to happen. Uh, but she said, don't worry about the money because God has already told me that he spoke to a business couple here and they will take care of it. God's already told them that they're going to uh, that they're going to pay for this and God will bless their business as a result. And a couple in the church stood up and said, hey, that's us. God spoke that to us and we're going to pay the way. So that summer I was flown out into um, Houston, Texas met with uh, Nancy Harmon and the other members of the Mighty Warriors there that, that were part of this this program. We went into a room in her house where she had a piano. She began to play. We began to worship, and the Spirit of God just fell in that room. And it was in that room that God showed me a vision where he called me into the ministry I am in now. Now, if I had not had back problems... I would have been in basic training, not in that room. That room where 
the atmosphere was primed, where my heart was ready, where I was seeking for God's direction in that particular place, I would have, uh, I would have been there. If God had given me what I wanted and had healed me as I had asked, I would never have got that. And God had to keep telling me, just trust me, just trust me. And I had to keep trusting and I had to keep moving in faith. And I, I was struggling with faith. And then it occurred to me that, that I would have, I would have gone into the military rather than being in the place where God had my calling waiting for me. Over the years, that back problem, even though it had caused a lot of pain, uh, it forced me to learn to trust on other, to lean on other people, to trust them. It forced me to learn. And as I began to, uh, as I began to, to, to grow and to learn and develop my, my leadership ability. I, I had to rely on other people and, and it helped me to do that. It helped me to empower others. It helped me to be a better leader. Then we had a camp meeting a few years ago, went down to the camp meeting and, uh, the speaker asked, Hey, does anybody need a healing right now? I raised my hand kind of, I thought, well, I, I would like a healing, but I don't, have to have it right now. I mean, it's been it's been 20 years. Uh, I think I'm good. I can wait a little longer. But someone in my church raised their hand. They went down to get prayed for, and I just felt like God said, "Go pray for them." So I went down and prayed for their healing. Meanwhile, my back the whole night was hurting so bad I, I couldn't hardly sit still. I was I was in so much pain. I went down to pray for them. We stood up after the prayer, and I felt no pain. Matter of fact, I felt I felt like my back was different than it was before. I could move different, I could bend different. Matter of fact, I went home. I think the next day, the first thing I did was get out the lawnmower and I started mowing. And I went a good forty-five minutes, maybe an hour. Uh, got everything mowed, and then I went home and laid on the floor for an hour. <laughs> but I was able to do what I couldn't do before, and I still have some back problems, but I at least got a partial healing. I at least had something happen that made a difference in my body. Why do I share that? I share that because God used that pain in my life to cause me to rely on him. You know, I think about I think about Jacob, you know, wrestled with God and God touched his hip and it just popped out of socket, right? What pain. But after that, Jacob walked with a limp the rest of his life. God never fully healed Jacob's leg. He could walk, but he had a limp. It was never a full healing. That limp was there to remind him of the moment his life changed. And I feel like I feel like you need to hear this. I feel like this is important for us to get. God does not like it when you hurt. When you are in pain, God is in pain. But still, God uses pain to help us understand our need for him and to bring us to a place where we are doing what we are made to do. See, when life is perfect, human beings forget just how much we desperately need God. And so many people have ridden the life of ease straight to hell. 
Suffering gets our attention. It is a wake-up call that tells us we need to call out to and rely on God because it is only in our weakness that we truly remember how strong God is. And if you're in a season of pain right now, that pain might be the best thing that could ever happen to you. Now, I'm not talking about the situation that caused the pain. I'm not saying that's good. What I mean is that the pain itself could be the thing that helps you change an unhealthy perspective that was sabotaging your entire life. We had a a, a guy in our church that ended up in the hospital with what could have been a life-threatening condition. The thing that alerted him to the problem was that he was in pain. And that pain alerted him to the problem. And pain in our lives oftentimes alerts us to problems we did not know were there. And some of those could destroy our lives if left untreated. We have uh, another man in our church that was um, had a surgery, was going through physical therapy. You ask him and he'll tell you there was a lot of pain involved. And yet through that pain, his arm was strengthened back to health. Instead of only asking God to take away your pain, maybe try asking God to show you what he is trying to teach you through this season. And then take time regularly verbalizing your trust that God will cause it to work together with everything else for your good. God never wastes a hurt. So trust him to not only get you through it, but to bring something good out of your pain. Thank you so much for joining me today. God bless you. I hope this message was beneficial. I hope it helps you and encourages you and strengthens you and points you to God. And I hope that anytime you look at the word pain, that you never see it quite the same way again. God bless you. You have an amazing day. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us at New Beginnings Family. We appreciate you listening and hope that the message was encouraging, inspiring, challenging, that ultimately it brings you closer to Jesus Christ. If you have any questions for us or would like to get a hold of us, you can reach out to us at www.nbfamily.net. Thank you so much. We love you. Have an amazing day. And thank you for all your support. We'll see you next time.